Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Friday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way. The trip to the drive-thru at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be just a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Puckett. Home of Turtle Homes. That's right. That's right. That would be weird. St. Al used to play Puckett a lot, but I, I never played them. I've been th- I've been through there a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It's not a big it's, place. Used to be a big one. They used to be a one A powerhouse. Yeah, they the did. Day. They did. So the the wolves. The, the wolves. wolves. That's right. Yeah. Have you used Puckett before? Have not. Okay. Um. And again, yesterday I thanked Dalton for that. Uh, for yeah. giving us giving my wife and I. Yeah. The. Uh, the car. coffee. Yeah. My wife picked up some coffee today and she wanted me to express to Dalton how much she appreciated that because she didn't have a good night's sleep mm-hmm. and the coffee really just put her you. on the right. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a given. That's an everyday thing. She's yeah. saddled with that every day. It's a burden. But she woke up. She wasn't feeling great. Neck was hurting and stuff. Mm-hmm. She went and got a coffee from right Strange Brew. And immediately was perky again. What I'm saying, what I'm hearing here is that Strange Brew makes your day better. That's what I've heard. So, I mean, you, you want to have a good day, right? Head over to Strange Brew. And if you can't get to Strange Brew, if you can't get to Brew Below because you don't live in Tupelo, you uh, you have to go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and you can just get it shipped right to your door and brew it yourself. Also, there is a uh, note there for Joel T. Coleman. If you're listening, Woo. Joel. There's a coffee waiting I saw for you. Joel and night. I think you had something there, too. I saw Joel last night. Spoke to him for a little while. Came by my house. Must have been nice. Well, he was picking something up. Yeah, of course he was. The same thing I've got for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Robbie yeah, I, was I, I totally indignant for a few minutes there until he realized, oh, wait, I'm getting, I'm getting a gift, too. But he only shows up when you have something for him. I'm here all the time. You're not, it's not wrong. It's not I'm wrong. saying. So, anyway. He's part of the corporation now. <laughs> He's not the people's champion. No, he never was. He's the corporate champion. The croc. The croc. He raises the corporate eyebrow. <laughs> anyway. Uh, College Corner and collegecornerstore.com is the place to find maroon and white merchandise. You can't find just everywhere else. Only College Corner has the biggest and best selection of MSU merchandise in central Mississippi. Two locations to serve you down there in the Jackson area. They are in Ridgeland by the Fleet by the Fleet Feet. Ooh. By the Fleet Feet. The, is that right, near, it's near next, the Kroger? Next to the Walmarts. Next to the Walmarts near the Krogers. Yes, that's right. Exactly. I don't know if those things are accurate or not. But they are in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. And they're also in Flowood by The Half Shell. There you not go. to be confused with Half Shell. 
whatever you're looking for MSU-wise, for your house, for your car, for yourself, for your kids, for your wife, for whoever, they got it at College Corner. Humble Taco, you know, it's been a it's been a minute since I've been to Humble Taco. I need I need to make a stop. Maybe we should go there one day for lunch. You don't have to ask twice. Let's let's put that on our, our to do list. We can do it uh, for next week. We gotta go. We gotta go. The, we got a couple of lunch places we're supposed to hit next week. So we yes, can do that. yes. And what we're gonna do is go to those places. And Humble Taco is gonna be on that list. And I'm gonna get some chips and queso. And I'm gonna get a couple tacos. And I'm gonna be a happy camper when it's all said and done. You will be too. If you like Mexican food, if you like something different. If you like Mexican fare with Mississippi roots, you will be happy as a clam. They don't have clams, but I'm just saying. At Humble Taco. Shout out, by the way, we had a, one of our listeners told me, he said he likes he likes, loves the podcast, and he says the, the Firehouse uh, subs, I think he said in Austin, Texas, that he goes to, should be paying us commission. Because he, he's he's just he's like every, putting them down. He's every week, he's like, I go to Firehouse because you just put it in my head. Well, there, there you go. Firehouse, it's a great place to go grab lunch, though, guys. It just Delicious. Is. Yeah. So, do it. Download the free Firehouse Subs app. Easy to navigate, easy to use. Place your order. It's ready within minutes. And the reward points, they come aplenty with Firehouse Subs. Locations in Starkville and Oxford, Columbus and Tupelo, Flowood and Madison. That's Firehouse Subs. As you are listening here on a Friday, it's the first day of practice of preseason camp at Mississippi State University that is getting prepared for the fall season, for the f- for the fall season. Which I, I I will give you this, you have to call it the fall season. Well, there's no getting around that. Okay, so I, I'm not I'm not super against what you're saying, right? But Borky mentioned something the other day when he's because he's on board with you, right? Well, about how the NFL doesn't do this, right? This isn't the NFL. You, right. This is the fall calendar, mm-hmm. the fall academic year. That's what somebody said to me on Twitter. They said because it's in the fall semester. Yeah. Which I Which, get. I mean, I, I'm okay with either one. I've actually conditioned myself a little bit to try to move away from that just to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Uh, that's what good friends do. I'm not trying to cause a rift that's here. That's what friends are for. So that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to distance myself from it a little bit. Right. But I'm not going to be angry at anybody like you if they say fall camp. I am angry. You're an angry man. I, I understand. It's, I'm working on that. But that said, you can't not call it the fall season. That's right. It is the fall season. It's so. in the fall. Right. So even though it finally gets cold in like the eighth game of the season. So, we have got today, first part of the show, we got two, two games in the countdown in the second half. Um, some bold, bold <laughs> predictions. <laughs> so, Robbie, I got to tell the story. I said, okay, Robbie, I think today for the show we're going to do some bold predictions for the sh- for this season. And he looked at me like I had said, we're going to discuss, like, you know, how to clean a mushroom or something. Like, he just, he looked so unenthused. I was like... I mean, if you got a better idea, you know, go ahead. He's like, he's like, no, no, it's fine. So then we sat and talked for a few minutes before we got started. And then I was like, all right, are you good? Do you have your bold predictions? And he looked at me, he's like, bold. I was like, yeah, bold. He's like, I thought you said bold predictions. I was like, it's a little early for bold predictions, Robbie. There was no emphasis on the D. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a great weekend. We can't top that. 
<laughs> oh my! <laughs> uh, thunder and lightning out of context. I'm sweating. Oh man, it's it warmed up in here. I don't know what it is. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what you're saying is, I said bold. You felt like I said bold, but not bold. That's correct. All right. Well, they're bold duh, predictions okay. for this upcoming season. I'll start. Okay. Call me crazy. We didn't, we didn't discuss no, no. what our predictions are either, no, so we're gonna be you, might, by you might screw screw my predictions up here by saying yours. I could, I could. We've got to use different ones. We'll see what happens. But mine is this. I feel like Will Rogers is going to challenge Joe Burrow's single-season passing record. 5-6-7-1 is that number in 15 games. I think he's going to be closer to, to 5,500 than he is to 5,000. I think he's going to be around 5,300. Okay, so let's do the the math on that. Okay, that is how many yards per game. So that it, that's really the key for me. We're going to thirteen game season. Yes, four hundred and seven. This gonna be tough. What did he have last year? Three sixty eight or something like that. Last year, let me see. I'm I'm, I'm I am I'm, that might, that might am, have been high. Gonna, I can't remember what he had. He threw for forty seven ninety three in thirteen games. Three sixty eight. Look at you. Well, I guess that number's kind of just been. So I need forty more ingrained. yards a game. That's possible. That's it's very possible. possible. Uh, now you got Bama and Georgia this year, mm-hmm. so that's one. Well, extra he had a great game against Georgia two years ago. He did. He did have a really good game. That they kind of had that that mindset that LSU did. They wanted to come after you and play a little. Yeah, man. they they played a lot of man, and he made them pay. Yeah. So how do they how do they approach that defensively? Mm-hmm. That's going to be key. I. I don't think that's just too crazy. It is bold, though. It is bold. Yeah. But I don't think that's I don't think he can I think get it's to Burrow's possible. record. I don't think he can get 56. 56 and that, because Burrow was incredible that And he year did 15 games. In 15 games. So Burrow averaged 378 yards. He wasn't too far off of what Rodgers' pace was that's a not, season ago. That's, yeah. pretty, that's, that's pretty crazy. But that's 15 consider. games. If To do that over 13 games is 436 yards. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say that he's going to be around 52, 5,300. I think five over 5,000 is 5,000 is going to happen. I feel really confident be that's going to 5,000 is really only, when you really break it down, Robbie, it's only like 20 more yards per game. Yeah. It's like two more completions. And, you know, we keep making a, a big deal about Makai Polk, and that is a lot of catches and yards to replace. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like they're going to – find somebody or push those yards around to several different guys to make up for that. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like they're going to have somebody that can replicate that. Okay. Because Makai Polk, really good player. He's a free agent. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, we're not talking not about... Crabtree out. We're not talking about replacing the greatest receiver in Mississippi State history. And I, I think he's kind of funny. We are kind of talking about placing, replacing the greatest receiver in Mississippi State history. For a single season. For, from a statistical standpoint. In a single season, yeah. yeah. But as far as, you know, skill set, I, I don't think that there's a whole lot difference between him and a guy like Caleb Ducking. Now, Caleb Ducking has not done anything to prove that. But there's really not that big of a difference. I mean, Makai Polk wasn't a burner. He was really good at you know going up and getting a ball in one-on-one coverage. Uh, he was really good in the red zone. If State can find somebody similar to that, then I think they're going to be fine. 
and they got other guys that are going to step up too. I I just think that Will Rogers is going to be able to continue this production offensively that he's had. Mm. So what's your first bold prediction? Are we are we just going to do like a offense and defense? If you got all offense, if you got all de- what does it matter? Whatever you want to say, brother, brother Robbie, you are free to say whatever you like. I think one of the things that I think is that I consider a little bold is I think we're going to see much more emphasis on the run game, on okay. establishing a run, on letting Will Rogers get out and run a little bit. I think that this offense is going to start to evolve a little more. I don't think we're going to see the same offense that we've seen the last two years and we've seen under Mike Leach. I think State is going to be a little more balanced. Not not a, a huge tweak, but I think we are going to see some differences in this offense than we've seen in years past under Mike Leach because it just feels like he's starting to understand that he can't just drop back and pass it 60 times a game in the SEC. He's going to have to do something that's going to keep these great defenses off balance. And, um, you know, you can do that. You can do what he's done against some of these lesser teams in the league. But to beat teams in the upper half of the SEC, Mm -hmm. you've got to be a little different. And I thought that they were a little different against, you know, teams like Kentucky and LSU and and teams like that uh, last year when they established the run a little bit more, and the offense just looked so much more productive. And uh, Texas A&M was kind of like that, too. I don't have the numbers in front of me from that game, but it just seemed like the offense was flowing a lot better. Mm-hmm. And when it's flowing that, that, a lot that better... Game, between the 20s especially, the offense was really good. Yeah. They struggled in the red zone in that game. They did. But that goes sort of back to what you're saying, that if you run the ball a little bit better, you may get some more things going in the red zone. Yeah, and I think that they got to do that. I think So let's, 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 we, we sort of talked about this yesterday. Johnson rushed for 485. Marks rushed for 416. Let's make your your prediction just a little bit more bold. If I say they both get 600 this year, 600 both of them get 600. They were both under 500. Right. So can we add a? I mean, Marks is almost almost 200 yards. For Johnson, it'd be 115. Yeah, Um, I think it's possible. I mean, I've said that I think that they get over a thousand yards between them. So I mean. And what are we talking? Another 100 yards each, mm-hmm. somewhere, yeah. making up the difference. Again, I think that's possible. Again, you, when you break things down game by game, because when you when you look at stats, you really have to do that. You can't just sit there and say, "Oh, I think they'll do this." You got to like, okay. So last year they averaged Johnson. Let's just take Dylan Johnson, right? He averaged 37 yards per game rushing. Yeah. What we're saying is, can he average 47 yards a game rushing? Mm-hmm. You know, 10 more yards in each game. Makes Over up the thirteen difference. games is one hundred and thirty yards, and he's sitting at six fifteen instead of four eighty five. It's a little more for marks, right? Again, to get to six hundred over. Let me do the math again. Good thing we have these calculators right here on the computer. Six hundred yards divided by thirteen. That's not my. I don't want minus divided by thirteen. Is forty six yards per game. We need Jaquavius Marks to average fourteen yards per game more. Than he averaged a season ago. Yeah, I mean, and what you're if what you're saying is correct about they're going to be more active in the run game. We're only really talking about like three carries a game. If he gets three carries a game where he averages four and a half yards a carry, he's there. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how it's it's almost like a Lego, right? Like all these little bricks add up to the big the the finished product. 
four and a half yards per carry. And that's the other thing with Marks, too. He averaged 3.9 yards a carry on 106 carries. If he'd averaged 4.5 yards a carry, I mean, that's another what? You know, do the math, which I'm not going to do at this time. And I think that can actually improve the passing game. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, we can start seeing bigger plays in the passing game. We can see bigger numbers in the not passing even, game. Not even bigger plays, but just more efficiency. Yeah. Because, look, we all agree that Kentucky was the game where State ran the ball the most effectively. Rodgers is 36-39 in that game. Yeah. Because they couldn't just drop guys back. They had to commit to stop the run a little bit. And these and these passes are not the dump-offs for one yard, you know, the underneath throws that go for four yards. These passes, at that point, are starting to net you some some greater yardage, so I I, th- I really feel like that's going to benefit this offense as a whole if they do indeed do that, which I have an inkling that they will. We'll we'll see if they do, but I I just have a feeling that we're going to see a little more emphasis in running the football. Okay. And again, I've said this many times, a lot of that falls on Will Rogers' shoulders. Mm-hmm. A lot of that falls into the you know his play calling he's the one that makes a lot of those calls Mm -hmm. because he can go up the line of scrimmage and he has several different opportunities whatever he wants to do here and a lot of times he's going to call that that run play Mm -hmm. so that's going to fall on his shoulders too and maybe you know him being more comfortable in the offense he takes away from the run game i don't know i I don't know which direction to go or he could feel more confident in his running backs and his offensive line i don't know but um that's something that we'll all start to learn together in a, about a month. Now you are correct. All right. My second bold prediction, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on something. Oh. I think that uh, Makai Polk's records are in jeopardy. Oh. I think that this year Mississippi State will have a receiver over 100 catches and over 1,000 yards. And that will be? I don't know who it's going to be. That's that, Maybe that's where I'm sort of holding off. But between Griffin... Thomas, Ducking, and maybe Harmon, one of those outside guys is going to be the, the primary guy and is going to see a ton of targets. And if they catch the ball, and I'll be honest with you, if it's Tulu Griffin, last year Polk, what, 1,080 yards on 105 catches? If, if we can get Tulu Griffin 105 catches, he's going to be closer to 1,200, 1,300 yards, I think. Just because he can do more after the catch. The reason I don't think that anybody will get that record this year is because there's going to be so many options and Will is going to be a lot more comfortable with his receivers. He's going to spread it around a little more, I think. Last year... I think he's going to throw the ball more and he will be spreading it around more, but one guy is still going to be that guy, I think. Yeah, I think they'll have a guy separate, but I just I don't know if there's going to be a guy that catches well over 100 passes and over 1,000 yards. Um, I mean, it wouldn't shock me, but I just don't know if it's going to happen just because I just feel like Last year, he was relying a little more on Makai. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's going to be more guys this year that so, that he he doesn't have to rely on one dude. Looking back, let's, let's sort of look back through time here, going to the Washington State years. Uh, not looking at running backs. Leading receiver had 85 catches in 19 for Washington State. Leading receiver had 69 catches. Nice. Uh, in 2018, and that's that might be a good example year for you, Robbie, because that's the year they had Gardner Minshew and talk about being comfortable in the offense and spreading it around. Listen to these and these numbers here in terms of receptions: 83, 53. That's your two running backs. 
And then 69, 61, 52, 42, 33, 26, 20 is your, I mean, that's, that's spreading the ball around there. Uh, let's see. Let's just do a few more here. 2017 leading receiver, 70 catches. Maybe I'm wrong. Leading receiver, 89 catches in 2016. We'll do one more year. Yeah, that was just kind of like Macau. 2015, Pol- 104 catches for Gabe Marks. Yeah. There, there were guys that put up those kind of numbers, mm-hmm. but if you look in the past, like it's been a pretty steady, you know, it's been it's spread been a lot, out. A lot of spread out. I, I just think that. <clears throat> Like I, re- I remember whenever Leach got here, I remember looking at the year before, mm-hmm. and like the eighth guy mm-hmm. had as many catches as Osiris Mitchell, who That's was like correct. the leading I'm, receiver. I had a long day on Twitter trying to explain to people on that. When, when, when like I we just couldn't really fathom. It's, hard, what was it's, hard, it's tough to wrap your mind around. I mean, I mean, even you look at just looking at last year. I mean, two, you know, three years ago, I think twenty seventeen. Uh, Tula Griffin had 26 catches last year for 269 yards. He would have been close to State's leader in catches. Yeah. As it was, he was one, two, three, four, eighth. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely they're going to spread the ball around. But what I would say to that is they spread the ball around last year too. Marks had 83 catches. Johnson had 65. Wally had 55. Williams had 52. Heath had 34. Calvin had 29. Tulu had 26, Christian Ford had 19, Ra-Ra Thomas had 18. So they spread the ball around, and in that, Makai Polk still had 105 catches. Yeah. So here's what I would say is put another receiver's name in here. You can It can be Ducking, it can be Thomas, whoever you want to put. And if you start him at a baseline, because there's going to be somebody who catches 70 passes, right? Mm-hmm. It's just how many more can they get? Well, f- Friday is the first practice. Yes. And I'm going to be there Friday afternoon. That was when we saw Makai Polk last year. Yes, yeah, I mean, and almost immediately. Immediately, we said, okay, this guy looks like the best receiver on the field. Yeah. So we're going to find out a lot about you know who that guy could be in the next few weeks, I think. Yeah. Ra-Ra Thomas was getting some reps early last year. Um, and I was, quite frankly, I was kind of shocked by that, that. He was the freshman that was getting those reps, but he was getting reps early. Yeah. We're going to know pretty quickly mm-hmm. who Will How Rogers, gonna work. Yeah. yeah, and who he feels most comfortable with. I want to see somebody that you know Will Rogers is throwing to one-on-one coverage in the back of the end zone that's going up there and catching it, like like he did with Makai last year, because that that's really the the key is having somebody that can catch it in between the the twenty and the goal line, Great. because getting to the red zone is not an issue for Mike Leach's offense. State's going to be there. They need some guys that are going to finish inside the red zone. Who's going to make those one-on-one grabs in coverage? Who's going to be able to to come down with a pass? That That's going to be the key. I'm That's one of the things I'm going to be watching in, in practice on Friday. All right. What's your uh, next prediction? Just for the sake of, of going over the defense a little bit, okay. I think by the end of the year and maybe even by the middle of the season – we're going to be talking about Mississippi State's front seven as one of the best in the okay. SEC. Um, I, I just don't – we don't – people outside of Starkville, they don't know anything about Jordan Davis. Nobody's talking about Tyrus Wheat. Nobody mentions anything about Cam Young, Nate Pickering, Jaden Crumity. These guys in the front seven, I think, are going to be really, really good this year. I think this is going to be one of those defenses – at Mississippi State that that we talk about, um, you know, a, 
a team that can go toe-to-toe against some of the better teams up front. I really like this this defensive line and this linebacker crew, and I feel like it's going to be really deep. We're not talking a whole lot about John Lewis right now. I mean, how what, what's he going to look like this year? Yeah. I think he's got a chance to be really good. We're not talking about Ty Cooper that much. He got some good playing time last year. Jet Johnson's back. Buki Watson's back. Tyrus Wheat, like I mentioned. And I feel like, you know, just having a, a pass rusher like Jordan Davis and having two really good nose tackles and Cam Young and Nate Pickering, that's going to work wonders for the entire defense. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like some people are, but I feel like we're not talking about this front seven enough. Or front I think, six. I think basically. the biggest issue with that is there's, there's not a star. There's not a Jeff Simmons. Well, right now, right now, but 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 even coming into the season, like you had Jeff Simmons and Montez Sweat, you had Chris Jones, you had Fletcher Cox. You don't have a guy like that right this second. I mean, I think Crumity's good. I think Cam Young is very good. I'm excited to see Jordan Davis. I think, and I agree with your premise that they're going. I to don't be think you have to good. have. A, a generational player like Jeff Simmons for the defensive line to be top. Not when you have the kind of at the depth top of the league. It looks like Mississippi State's going to have this year. I, I I agree with your point. I think the reason people aren't talking about them is because they don't have that superstar. You know what? What's is Travion Williams going to be too good to keep off the field? I mean, we're I'm we're very, not even talking about him. Very intrigued by him. Very he looks like a million bucks right now. Yeah. That's all I know. So is he a guy that you start to see? Flashing early in practice, and then by the time you get to game one, he's 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 on the two deep, and then by the time you get to like game five, he's starting. Yeah, could be. And because I, mean, he's, I think he's going to be too good to keep off the field, but I'm like, where's he? Like, where's he play? Yeah, somebody. That's the thing. There's only so many spots, right? You know. I think he's a guy that is going to be gone after three years. Yeah. So get him reps now. Yeah. I mean, Charles Cross redshirted, which he needed that, yeah. but. Travion does not need it. I don't. Jeff think. Simmons didn't redshirt, but he also didn't play as much as he probably should have. Yeah, as a freshman. Yeah, so. and on that defense, he absolutely should have played more. <laughs> should have played every there's, down. There's no way that you can convince me otherwise. No, I agree. I agree with you 100. percent Anything else we're missing? Um, you know, I, I think safety play is going to be better than people expect. Well, I mean, you've got a good combination. You got some veterans back there. You know, you got Duncan. You've got Preston. Um, who am I? Jalen Green. You got Jalen Green, and then you brought in two guys, Jackie Matthews, who looked good in the spring. I thought he was. I he thought was Jackie Matthews might have been the most impressive safety of the spring. And then in the summer, you bring in a four-star transfer from Michigan, Jordan Morant. <clears throat> you've got guys there. Yeah, you know, you've got some, you've got some guys who can help you. People are nervous about the secondary. I just think they're going to be fine. I, I think yeah. there's enough players back there that have experience. They're going to be fine. They, they've got to lock down that cornerback spot, but I don't feel bad about that cornerback spot. I think Cameron Richardson is going to be good if he's in there. I feel confident in Marcus Banks being able to get get out there and make some plays. So I'm just not worried about the secondary. And I'm not all that concerned as we get closer to camp and left tackle, as many people are. I, I just think that they're going to have somebody that's going to be able to do the job. I agree. Um, and like I've always said – I, I don't think anybody's come going to come close to Charles Cross, but I think they'll be able to handle it. Either Dollar Bill or um, Percy Lewis will be able to handle it. Yeah, I I, I think they'll be able. You know, good. That's yeah. all you need. If you're good, you, all you need is good. If they're good, you're going to be fine. Yeah, interior is going to be really good. 
I they're going to be better at four of the five spots. Let's just yeah. be honest. Yes. The interior is going to be fine, and then whoever is at right tackle is going to be an, if it, I'll tell you what, if he's not an upgrade there, then you, you got some big problems. Well, I mean, you got to process a player like that. Yeah. You got to tell him, like, you got no business playing in the SEC. Yeah, because it, it can't it get bad. much worse. It's bad. All right. Let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. When you're looking to cook out this weekend, and I am looking to cook out this weekend, grab some beef. So delicious. It's good for you. It's a great value. And there's just so many awesome cuts out there that you want to try. So when you're looking for a a good choice to uh, cook out this weekend, I think beef is the way to go. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Hadn't been to two brothers in a minute either. I guess we'll put it on the list, Robbie. We're going to lunch every day next week. It's on the list. All right. We're going to figure it out. It should be on the list because it's great. It's it's fantastic. The food is just can't be beat. It's not just barbecue either. Somebody I think people a lot of people call it Two Brothers Barbecue. It's not Two Brothers Barbecue. It's Two Brothers Smoked Meats. And that means a lot more than just barbecue. It's smoked southern soul food. So head over to the Cotton District. Grab an ice cold beer. They got a great selection of them as far as like local beers go. Get some uh, some smoked wings and then take it from there. Enjoy yourself at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products, great service. Every business promises it. Advantage Business Systems delivers on it, and they deliver on it with 47 years of experience. So when you need a new copy or a new printer for your business, you need computers or laptops, you call Advantage Business Systems. And then when the, when service needs to be done, you're talking to somebody in the state of Mississippi, from the state of Mississippi, who's going to take care of you with same-day service in many, many occasions. You don't have to wait around when you're talking about Advantage Business Systems. That number is 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. we got two games to do today so that we can stay caught up. We are going to do number 22 and number 21. Number 22. A lot of people love this game. It's an Egg Bowl win, so that helps. 2013, Robbie, Mississippi State 13, Ole Miss 10. Now, let's be honest about this game. Until, like, the final few minutes of this game where Dak Prescott becomes Dak Prescott, this is a horrible football game. Yes, it was. (laughs) It was two not great teams. Ole Miss couldn't do anything on State. Damian Williams, God bless him, kept State in the game. Neither offense could do anything. Turnovers, special teams errors. Robert Kim Diche pushing his coach on the sideline. There's been it some, had it all. There's been some bad egg bowls mm-hmm. like for three quarters. Yeah, and then the fourth quarter they find a way to turn it on. Yeah, this was one of those where Dak Prescott, who if you've asked anybody who played in this game, they all told you they had no preconceived notion he was even going to play. That he was injured and was out and was injured in a way that he couldn't play. Not that he couldn't play hurt. That he could not play at all. One, one reporter was telling people that his career was in jeopardy. Well, that reporter wasn't very smart. Um, Do you remember the reporter? No. I'll give you one hit. Okay. Doritos. Oh. Um. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. Um. Eh, if he is, I'm blocked anyway. Who cares? Anyway. But then Dak Prescott takes over. Leads MSU to a uh, game-tying field goal. Leads MSU to position for a game-winning field goal. And to this day, I don't know how Sobes missed there. Like, I, 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 he comes out the kick that I was like, this is it. Like, we're, they're going to win right here. And it doesn't happen. 
What made me so angry about that is Paul and I had already come down from the press box, and it was freezing cold that night. And so we were standing on the sidelines praying that this is the game. Mm-hmm. And it was not. It we was had to not. go to overtime. They did. This game worked out almost exactly like the 2019 game and Very in the similar. same end zone. Very similar. Uh, without, just The only thing you were missing was the urination simulation. Uh, might as well. Bo Wallace peed on himself. Yeah, 17-10. I, I don't know where I got 13-10 from. 17-10 is the score. Of yes. Game. I was in there in my brain. I was like, how is it? Okay. Dak scored a touch the first touchdown overtime. 10-10, yeah. It was and 10, that was 10, on 10. fourth down. That State had two key fourth down conversions. Remember, they had a fourth and long where they threw, I believe, to Deronia Wilson. Bear, right on the sidelines. Right on the sidelines to keep the chains moving. And then, yeah, fourth down. fourth. It's, it's not fourth and inches. They're not on the goal line. It's like fourth yeah. and three. Fourth and goal, but fourth from the three. And they go with the bread and butter, Dak up the middle. That play, the end zone. no matter when it happened, was unstoppable with Dak Prescott. Well, it didn't hurt to have Gabe Jackson in front of him either. Gabe Jackson, Ben Beckwith, Those Dylan Day. Blew the hole open. That Since he was a redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. that play... It's always I right. don't remember when it was stopped. It's the same play that he ran against LSU for the yeah. long touchdown. You know, anytime you see see a long Dak run, it's that play. What I remember about that game specifically mm-hmm. was the atmosphere mm-hmm. after the first quarter was dead. Yeah, and when Dak went to the huddle at the start of the fourth quarter, whenever it was, I mean the the you could feel the atmosphere just lift. The only two times I remember, like the crowd really three times the crowd really got into that game prior to Dak. Nico's interception, which mm-hmm. was an insane interception, by the way, he one-handed it. Yeah, open was that open in possession. I don't know if it was the open possession. It was early in the game. Early in the game, uh, Josh Robinson's touchdown, obviously, mm-hmm. and because you know, he did the land shark too, which got everybody riled up. And then Chris Jones taking down Kim Diche on a carry. Oh yes, everybody went in the crazy. backfield. Everybody went crazy. And Kim Diche, like I just like to point out, there were people who tried to tell us that. Robert Kim DJ was better than Chris Jones. And that was both of their freshman year, mm-hmm. like right at, like this was like the mm-hmm. heat of the rivalry. Yeah. You know, all that stuff was going on with their mm-hmm. signing class, mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze. And remember, he wore that that number. He was five. He had the same number they as Corvette got Neat, or who was the guy? Octavius Mathers. Mathers. And they just warned him. Yeah. And, and he did it like two or three times. And then after well, halftime, he changed his number. They did a fake punt. It's supposed he, to be. They were they were supposed to be penalized for it, that. It should be a penalty. There is no warning for that. There is just that's like saying you know he was holding on this place so warn him. Like no, yeah. there's a penalty. And of course, Dak, you know the iconic point to the sky. This is when I, you think of Dak pointing to the sky. This is the touchdown I think of. Yeah. And uh, you know then of course you have one of the most famous defensive plays in the history of Mississippi State sports. Bo Wallace on in overtime. He's going to score. Yes. He's going to score. He's he had a wide open lane. He had a wide open lane. Nico Whitley comes from nowhere to strip the ball from him, recovered by Jamerson Love in the end zone. <laughs> and then, I mean, I think there might be like three people on the earth that know what Nico Whitley said. I've got to know. We know Nico I think knows. Bo Wallace said one time what he'd said. I, I need to find that then. Because Nico, Bo, and maybe a couple other people, but not a lot of people know. I just remember. I guarantee it involved a word that sounds like itch, though. Yeah. I, I just remember all these people that this was look look at this thug on top like this is football guys yeah. they've been talking trash all day all day all year and then 
the the sort of the cherry on top of that is you find out after the game that Nico Whitley had torn his ACL like in week two or three yeah. and said, no, we'll put off the surgery. I need to play for my teammates. And he went the whole year on a torn ACL. That dude should be the most one of the most beloved Bulldogs ever. The two toughest Mississippi State players of the last decade or so are Nick Fitzgerald and Nico Whitley. And remember, he like he he knocked out a Georgia player one time. Nearly killed him well, I mean, at the goal line, and he, he nearly fumbled. he nearly he knocked out three guys. I think he knocked out the Georgia guy, an Auburn guy. Remember that on the sidelines? But that was the bush that he peed in. No, that was at Georgia. That was oh yes, yeah, right. <laughs> no, there was an Auburn guy. He nearly killed. And oh yeah, the dude. It was uh. That was in 2011. 2011. Yeah, right and before halftime. I, th- I think it was also, I think it was 20... They, they called, like, targeting on that, didn't they? Yeah. And it was... Oh, it was, but... I thought it was, like, a clean he hit. Got, he got him, he ear-holed him really good. But, I can't remember. And there was a guy from Kentucky, remember, where he knocks the ball, like, 20 yards back in the backfield? Yeah. I mean... He made so many big plays. The, they, they don't win that game against Arkansas the week before without Nico. That's right. He forced a fumble on, I think, Alex Collins. Yeah, I think you're right. Um... And if they don't win that game, they don't go to a bowl game that year. Those last two games Mm -hmm. were pivotal for Mississippi State. I agree. Heading into 14. It's it's at at the table for everything. And, you know, Dak coming back in that ball game not only made him legendary, but that set the table too. Yeah. Uh, Because they're not winning that game without Dak. I mean, bless Damon Williams' heart, but he had no chance against Ole Miss's defense was playing really well. So that's number uh, 22, the 2013 Egg Bowl. 17-10 is your final score. 21 Go back to the 97 season, the real start of Jackie Sherrill's best days at Mississippi State when he went to the Plains of Alabama and just defeated the Auburn Tigers 20 to nothing in a game that I was at. And I, you know, I, we've talked about it before. I love an unexpected victory, right? Mm-hmm. I love when I walk in the stadium thinking, I don't think it's going to be our day. And I walk out a winner. AM was like that last AM year. AM was like that last year. This game for sure. So, we just went to this game, and we're like, well, we're just going to the game, but it's not going to be good. Not only was it good, State dominated a top-10 ranked Auburn team from start to finish. Anthony Derricks with a 90-yard pick six in this one. J.J. Johnson running all over them. Matt Wyatt had a great game in this one. And this is what the start of it was. This is the start of that stretch of State kind of being the best team in the SEC West. You know, they should have won the West this year, but they, they, they fell apart at the end. 98, they do win the West. 99, I thought they were the best team in the SEC, but again, they just you know had their issues there at the end of the season. 2000, they were the best team in the country up until the midway point, and then they fell apart. Yeah. So it was a lot of ups and downs. This was a huge up, though. I, Jackie Sherrill, I would think at Mississippi State, would probably rank this in his top five wins. Is that and, a daytime game? Yes, of course it was. Is, is every win over Auburn at Auburn during the day? The only time I can remember State beating Auburn at night is Dak senior year. Yes, 15. 15 they won there. I mean, they, they That was a was that a Thursday night game? No, no, it was Saturday. That night. was a Saturday night yeah. cuz I so I was at I was at a I was at a junior college game that day. I couldn't remember. The the 97 or 20, 2007 win was a day game, 11 a.m. Yep. Um, 99 was a day. 99 at Auburn was a day game. This 97 game was a a, a day game. 91 was a day game. Last year, day game. Last that was 11 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. You, basically, what I'm hearing here is if Auburn wants to play Mississippi State in Auburn, you don't want to play Mississippi State at 11 a.m. 
That's right. It's not good. You want to get that game at night. And Auburn's Auburn's atmosphere at night it's is different. Way it's, different. It's different for everybody. Yeah. But Auburn at night is is a no pun intended kind of different animal. Might be the, the most underrated venue yeah. in college. It's football. not the best. It's not the best. Not but the it, best, but it's but especially when they get going. Man, that place is tough. You let Auburn get up on you tough. like ten nothing. Yep. You could probably you could probably call it a day unless you're like Alabama or something. So. Well, they you know they got down against them in thirteen. Mm-hmm. 2011. Mm-hmm. 2011, they should have beat them during the day. 13, they should have beat them during the night. Yeah. But it just didn't happen. But It's crazy how, I mean, if you ask the average college football fan, better program, State or Auburn, 99 out of 100. Definitely like Auburn. Auburn. And then you look at the record over the last decade. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's a lot closer than you think it is. Yep. So that's number 21. Fun day on the plains, 20 to nothing. Uh, Monday when we come back, we've got... The old ball coach unhappy. Ooh. And we've got Rocky Felker's greatest moment. Okay. So those will be our teases for uh, our two games we have to do on Monday as we enter the top 20. Running out of games, which means we're getting closer and closer to kickoff. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Look for practice updates from Robbie. Maybe from me. I don't know. It's pretty hot. I might not go. We'll see how it is. Oh, yeah. It's on Friday. You won't go. It's on Saturday, too. Yeah, Saturday, I guess you could and come, Sunday. but you, could, you couldn't come tomorrow. No, I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. So. But look for that stuff. Football is finally here. We'll be talking about it here on Thunder and Lightning. You think you know. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk. On this day, I see clearly everything is Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.